Christian, the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the royal law found in the Old Testament and said again by Jesus in the New. Except in the Old Testament, we're told how, because the call to love begins with, Hear, O Israel, that the Lord your God is one. Then we're told to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind and strength, which means this love is only possible after we've removed competing affections. And so we're talking about the snare of idols and it's a message guaranteed to position you towards right relationship with God. So join me for this week's episode of the Woman Pray Podcast. To the grown woman, pray. To the woman looking for answers, pray. To the woman who's busy and just needs a change, pray. Pray, woman. Stop comparing yourself, pray. Stop grumbling, pray. Stop giving excuses. Stop counting yourself out, pray. Stop discounting God. It's time to pray. Welcome to the Woman Pray Podcast. Welcome back to the Woman Pray Podcast. Today we're focused on what it means to love God rightly by addressing the things in our lives that may be a hindrance or a blockage to God's promise and his best. Women, we may be entangled or wrapped up in ways that creates a real barrier in life because what we're doing in our day-to-day living is offensive to God. We may not realize it, neither would we have ever thought that our actions are problematic, but it's a snare nevertheless. It's the snare of idolatry. Before we begin, however, let me just say that Empower Me 2023 was phenomenal. We talked about what it means to strengthen your resolve to endure hardship and prevail over the enemy. It was a life-changing worship experience that I encourage you to continue feeding on by joining me in conversations using my first ebook. Several years ago, I authored Teach Me to Pray, Learning to Pray Like Jesus, and now you can go to womanpray.com to get this workbook as an accompaniment for $15 and we'll begin a journey that will revolutionize your prayer life. Lastly, we'll be in Lancaster, Texas, right outside of Dallas on May 19th and the 20th. That's a Friday and a Saturday. And it's an opportunity for you to grow in him and in your in his will for your life. Remember, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance, meaning there There's a purpose for you beyond your nine to five. But if you don't pursue God, you'll never know what it is. And so we're imparting the kind of understanding that allows you to seek God with strength and fulfill your purpose. Come be trained and informed. Come and meet with the father. Now. I think it's safe to say that we all want to love and we all want to be loved. So we highlight in our culture and place value on love languages, love languages for other people from touch to time to gifts or words of affirmation. But God's one love language 
is obedience. Both the gospel of John and first John talk about God's desire for his children to love him by keeping his commandments. But the directive from the Old Testament to the new includes a call to love him emphatically and completely. We're to love him with all of our hearts, all of our souls, our minds and all of our strength. This is the kind of love that should make us ponder, really consider, reflect and survey what we're really offering our God when we say, Lord, I love you because like us, he wants us to respond to his love with sincere love, love that respects him, values him keeps him first and prioritizes what he said, but also loves him in the ways that pine after him, desires him, wants and yearns for him. This love is so enthralled by him that there is a yielded will, a yielding to his ways. It's a surrender that moves us away from personal preference and prerogatives, not out of obligation, but out of a willingness and an eagerness or devotion. And so it's not grudgingly given or a burden to give because our awareness of who he is, our gratitude for what he's done and our revelation of his love for us makes us melt. So if we had to choose, we choose him. If there is a first, it's him. If we had a preference, it's always him. Every day we choose him over everything and everyone. And so to love him with all of our heart means that there is no competing affection. We've decided and chosen him. He's not the last resort, but the first one we want to please, the first one we want to fellowship with, the one we want to hear from and that we want to honor. We want to be so close to him that he is the distraction to everything else in this life. And so while I may be involved in activities and I may have responsibilities, we all do, but none of that can replace him because we're beholden to our father. To love him with all of our soul speaks to a love with our mind, our will, our imagination, and our intellect. In other words, this is not an emotional love alone where I swoon at the mention of his name alone. This love is a decision that I've made to give of myself even when it's difficult or challenging. And so life may have disappointment. It will. Discouragement as well as various levels of hardship. But regardless of what is faced. My commitment to love him is an allegiance that cannot be broken because of feelings or experiences or fleshly desire. To love God with our mind means to love him with an intentionality to do those things that we know will please him, like giving thanks on all occasions, according to Thessalonians or living a life of faith, according to Hebrews and anything else that speaks to obedience found in the scriptures. And so to love with my strength speaks to loving him enough to give up things that I may value just for him. So my money is not off limits to him. My skill sets are not off limits, neither my time. And with all of that, it means that my love for him cannot be bought by anything because it's all inferior.
My love for him cannot be compared because there's there is understanding that he trumps everything and everyone, including the cutest baby, the most supportive spouse, the earned degrees or desired status or the network of people that I have. The love of my father is superior to them all. Therefore, Everything takes second to him. He gets first dibs on my time and my money. He doesn't just get to inform, but I'm pursuing his counsel, which means the things that I'm inclined to do, the people that I authentically love, the decisions that I have a right to make are all potential threats to what it means to love God with wholehearted devotion and a willing mind. They're a threat because they can easily entangle slowly, but surely starting as an interest and becoming a complete distraction. We can easily find ourselves ensnared, caught by something that offers nothing in comparison to the one who offers everything. It's seen when we throw ourselves in into our work or an activity and then we begin to minimize the need to cultivate relationship with God and others. When we need cars and we do need a home or stuff generally, but now those things keep our attention and become the reason or the why for the the reason for why we do what we do or when entertainment is so important that we can't serve in church or others. It means we're entangled when our ego won't allow correction because we think we know better now. These are the kinds of entanglements that shortchange our relationship with God. They become the snare to what it means to love our father. Whether we've invited something into our lives, allowed necessities to become distractions, welcomed diversions as a replacement, and even defended our shortcomings with uh, little to no apology, the snares and entitlements, or I'm sorry, entanglements found in this life all fracture or completely break the allegiance we have with God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so while it's easy to define the idol as a statue, idolatry can make us sound very logical and reasonable. Can't do church because my children play sports on Sunday morning. Can't read my Bible because there's no time. But somehow we make time for TV or nail appointments when we can accommodate for everything else or give a greater zeal and commitment to things and people above and beyond God. It's an idol. If we go further, Ephesians five says covetousness is the sin of idolatry. But so is stubbornness, according to first Samuel. Why? Because we've elevated our ways above his our will above his. I'm reminded of the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. It represented the presence of God, his dwelling place. And when it was in the possession of one of the nations, another nation apart from Israel, they set the Ark in the same space as their statue, their idol god, Dagon. And each morning, Dagon was fallen on its face, hands, feet broken, head broken off, because our God is the only wise 
and true God. And so my point is, even if we inadvertently make God second place, he removes himself completely. He'll have no other gods apart from him in your life. He will not, he will not be betrayed. In fact, scripture pointedly calls it adultery and harlotry. God said, you dishonor him when you call on or make for yourself an idol, something that cannot hear, cannot smell or speak. Yet you treat it as if it can rescue you or if it, as if it can help you, as if it identifies you. It's a foolish response to carve out for yourself an idol and then bow down to worship when the living God who is full of grace and mercy has loved you by demonstrating abundant grace or mercy and favor. Daily mercy he gives you. He gives you an open door, yet you still look to another. If you didn't know, the problem with Israel was always idolatry of heart. They wanted a king like the other nations when God was their king. They were warned not to intermarry because their allegiance would be fractured. And sure enough, they worshiped Baals and Ashtaroths. They set up altars to other gods. And while we can read it and shake our head, you know, ooh, can't believe they did it with bewilderment in the reality. We do the same. We persist, we persist in our flagrant offense to the Father. Like Israel, we continue engaging spiritual adultery and harlotry. Our hearts are supposedly his, but we willingly give it to another. It's an insult to the spirit of grace whenever we, we love worthlessness or seek falsehood. That is, whenever we trust and depend upon ourselves or another. Could it be that some of your trouble, some of your disappointment, some of your frustrations are a direct result of divided loyalty. Idolatry is a snare to what you know to be true and a hindrance to what God has made possible for your life. You believe that God gave his only son for your redemption out of love for you. You've read his covenant of how he, he's married to the backslider and how he will not contend with man forever. You've heard it preached, thou shalt not, uh, you shall not have any other God before him. And while I could start naming idols like our spouses, our children, or our sororities, etc., etc., the best response is to ask the Lord to show you the idols of your own heart. Where am I ensnared, Lord? Relationship with God doesn't make him the first on your list and then comes a um, a list of things, then comes the things you consider important or prize. Number one, number two, number three. No, relationship with God makes him the axis, the center, and everything, everything is in response to him. It all revolves around him. Some years ago, a song became very popular in our churches that Jesus is at the center of it all. In other words, everything and everyone rotates around him. I do everything. I respond to everyone based upon him being the head of my life, the Lord of my heart, the king who supplies and provides. Here's how Corinthians says it. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live 
should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's 2 Corinthians 6.15. In other words, because of who he is and what he's done for me, I live for him. My hope is him. My strength is him. My now and my future is him. I choose him. I love him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and with all of my strength. Let's pray. Father, it is our desire to love you from a, whole, from a wholehearted devotion and a willing mind, to love you with a sincere heart, a good conscience, Lord, to love you from a pureness of heart. And so we give ourselves to you even now that you would speak and show us where our loyalties are divided, where we have committed ourselves to another another affection where we've given ourselves to something that grieves your spirit. We're asking that you would speak to us, Lord, because we do want to honor you and we do want to love you rightly. We want to know what your will is for our lives. We want to know that we're walking according to your ways and that we're pleasing you. And so we look to you that you would speak through your word, that you would speak to us in dreams and in visions, that you would open our eyes of understanding and that you would even speak to us through this podcast so that we are no longer the same, but Christ truly is being formed within us stronger and stronger so that we are new creations in Christ Jesus, according to your word, no longer looking behind, but looking to you as the author and the finisher of our faith. It's in Jesus's name that we pray. And all of the believers said, amen and amen. Thank you for joining me today on the Woman Pray Podcast. We'll see you again next week.